0: So good morning, everyone. Welcome to Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, an intentional community of Catholic leaders. This is a space about Catholic leadership, but not for the parish or the diocese. This is Catholic leadership for the world. Stay with us and allow us to share with you a vision handed to us by the Second Vatican Council to help advance the mission of the church. It all boils down to idea engaging society as civic leaders. My name is Erin Monin, and I am your host. My co-host, Christopher Pereira, is busy um, recruiting people for the Tepiac Leadership Initiative Program, which is starting this fall. So he is out of town and um, preoccupied with those um, obligations, but... Uh, you will have me this morning to lead the conversation, and we uh, will welcome Christopher back with open arms next week. <laughs> um, so if and if you are just joining us, uh, please take the time now to ping five people, five Catholic professionals that you know and follow in Clubhouse. When you do this, um, not only will they be invited to join the room, but their friends will be notified and attracted to the room as well. So thank you all for doing that. And thank you all for being here. Um, it's so great to see We've been doing this, I think, since March now, which is crazy to say um, and realize that it's been several months that we've been hosting this room. And all of you uh, just continue to show up and be part of this community and offer so much insight and perspective into our faith and all the topics that we discuss each week. So thank you for being here. Um, Thank you for anyone who will want to speak on stage today, and thank you for those of you who just want to listen in. Um, You all play a role in these conversations, and we're grateful for um, each and every one of you. So, well, today, if you read our um, description of the room, we are talking about divine filiation. And when I saw that on um, Christopher's and I, like we have a little brainstorming list of topics that we could discuss in the future. When I saw that, I was like, I have no idea what that is, but clearly I'm going to learn it. <laughs> um, and actually, we all know what it is, but this, this phrase, maybe you haven't heard of. So divine affiliation, um, at its core, it, it means that in Christ, we are children of God through our baptism, succinct. So we all know what it is, um, obviously, but maybe you haven't heard it shared in, um, this phrase divine affiliation. But when you Google it, every, like a ton of things show up. So it is group. Um, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, um, We have a group chat specifically set up for this uh, Catholic Leadership for Civil Society room and community. So that we can continue the conversations offline, or not live, (laughs) um, before and after we have our live conversation at this time every week. If you're not already part of our Telegram group, I would invite you to go to my uh, profile, just click on my picture in this room, and then scroll down, and when you see where I talk about um, Catholic Leadership for Civil Society, there's a link there. And that'll take you to our group. So for those of you who are already in it, you probably or hopefully (laughs) saw this morning that I posted our image of the week. So probably a month or two ago, I would say Christopher began um, this image of the week um, kind of tradition in our telegram group for this room. And I think it's great because it actually sets a really great, it just sets us up for a really great conversation um, visually. So today um, I posted the image of the week, and it is Jesus and the Little Children by, I'm going to mess this up, Carl Christian Vogel von Vogelstein. <laughs> Quite a mouthful, but um, I just, I I searched, searched a certain kind of image and was looking through what popped up online, and this one just drew me in um, for several reasons. So I already defined what divine filiation is, so this is us talking about our, our sonship and our daughtership, I think that's a word, but if it's not, I'm going to use a lot of this today, so um, it's basically, we are God's children through our baptism, through our uh, through his adoption of us, so I wanted to have a picture that represents Christ um, with children, because He is, it's just, all the images that show him with, um, with children are, I think are just so heartwarming and beautiful. And there's a lot that you can take away from, um, from how he is looking and, um, sitting. And so I just wanted to go through a couple of things that stood out to me and I'd love to hear anyone's thoughts if they want to share. Um, but if you'll notice it, he just looks at peace. You know, he he wants his children to come to him. He he is just very content and at peace um, in this image. And I just think that's so beautiful to look at, you know, the way his face is portrayed. Um, If you'll notice his arms, they're wide open, um, which is also beautiful imagery because that's how Jesus is for us he's always there always waiting for us to come to him wide open he's never closed off um his gaze is is directly at the children um and his gaze is always on us and I just think that that this image portrays that so beautifully as well and then last but not least you'll notice Mary is um in the background well okay I thought it was Mary, but now that I'm looking at it, it could be the mother of that child. Either way, she's all of our mothers, so. (laughs) Um, But the way that I at least initially looked at this image is that Mary, our mother, brings us to her son. So whether that's that child's earthly mother or whether that's Mary, listen, Mary, our mother, brings us to her son. So I just think there's a lot going on in this image, and it was so beautiful and so powerful, and I wanted that to be our image of the week to start us off because I think, quite honestly, I don't know if everyone feels this way, but some of us I think have a hard time picturing ourselves as children in the in front of Christ. I know I do, Um, you know, especially. It's like okay, like I can picture my younger self with Jesus, but like, how can I view myself as His child now? Because that never goes away. As once we're baptized, we are His adopted children. So I think um, looking at images like this and and reminding ourselves that these children in this photo are us um, is really powerful and something that I think that we can all, we should all, and can all relate to. Um, so, anyways. Um, I see some people are commenting in our group. So thank you all. Um, Kelly, your grandkids are so beautiful. (laughs) Um, so anyways, if you are not, like I said, already in that telegram group, I highly recommend and invite you to join it because, um, there really is great conversation and, um, things that happen in that group, like the image of the week that, um, really add to this conversation, and we don't want any of you to miss out on that. So, without further ado, um, I wanted to share a couple of quotes from some articles that I uh, read on Opus Dei's website, and then start kind of talking about how exactly this topic, divine filiation, relates to Catholic leadership, because of course that is what we're here to discuss. Um, but I would invite um, any of you at any time, if you have something to say or a question to ask or just something, to a perspective to share, please raise your hand and come on the stage. As you can see, it's only me today, so if you don't come on stage, it will just be a monologue for the next 45 minutes, and I don't know if you want that. <laughs> so a um, uh, couple of quotes that I was saying that I wanted to share. So we talk a lot about Opus Dei, um, It's a wonderful organization. They have a lot of resources on their website, and we quote from them quite often. Um, But I think it's because there's so much truth in some of these articles that they share, and they talk a lot about the topics that we discuss in this room, which is um, very interesting to me. So... um, there was an article that I found. Um, talk, I think this is it's written by a bishop um, speaking on divine filiation. So it's just a, a blog article written by him. So I'm just going to quote a couple of things from that to start us off. So he says, through this gift of divine filiation, Christ completely destroyed the barriers that separate men from one another by from one other by bridging the distance between heaven and earth, and between his creatures. God came so close to man as to become one of us. By taking on our nature, the word joined human and divine in himself. Now, as St. Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free man, neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's from Galatians. Now God is not distant. He is our Father, and neither are others remote from us. They are are our brothers and sisters. That identification begins in the sacrament of baptism, the doorway to the Christian's path. But in baptism, divine filiation is not conferred upon us as life is upon a newborn. It must grow more and more under the impulse of the light of the paraclete according to the divine disposition and with the man's correspondence to grace. Christ himself accompanies his disciple along the way. It is for this reason that he remains in the Eucharist as food so that his disciples can participate ever more fully in his divine sonship. Jesus in the Eucharist is for everyone, the way that leads to our heavenly home. He becomes our viaticum, the path that leads progressively to our complete identification with him, provided that we try to receive him with the proper dispositions. At the end, there awaits us the face-to-face vision of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I can share that later in the telegram group, um, those two paragraphs Um, because they're not consecutive in the article. But I just thought that this gave us such a great um, summary and and representation of what exactly it is we're talking about when we think of and talk about this topic of divine affiliation. So a couple things I just wanted to point out specifically from what I just quoted um, is that through our adoption through God's adoption of us as his children he they said he said they, they completely destroyed the barriers that separate men from one another so when we think of this we're like yeah obviously we're 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 not separated from God if we are his children but how do we see it as with one another he also separates the barriers between everyone as he adopts us as his children so I love that, too, because that's another aspect we don't think about in this, is that not only does this bring us into union with God, but it brings us into union with others, our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that was one thing that I thought was, like, so beautiful, which is why I quoted that specific paragraph. And then in this other paragraph, um, of course, we're talking about this identification beginning at the sacrament of baptism, which we just, which I mentioned earlier. Um but it's not just like this thing that's just like happens to us all of a sudden, as it as he says, as life is upon a newborn, it it grows and it grows with the Holy Spirit, um, inter, his intercession um, in our lives, and it grows with our correspondence to grace. So we have to take part in this divine filiation. Um, We can't just, I mean, of course it's a gift that God has bestowed on us, as he does with everything else. But there's always a part of us, uh, or excuse me, a part of this that, we have to receive that gift. If we don't receive the gifts that he's giving to us, we can't fully participate in them or embrace them. So divine filiation is a gift at baptism given to us when Christ adopts us as his own children. But we, we must participate in that constantly through, um, the Holy Spirit and, um, praying to him and working with him and his guidance in our lives, as well as corresponding um, to God's grace. So basically participating in the grace that God gives us in every moment. So it requires some work on our end, which, you know, that's that's how everything is, of course. But um, it's it's a beautiful, um, gift that God has already given us. And it's just our job to receive it and work with him in it. Um, which I know, um, I'm preaching to the choir because all of you, uh, do that as has been shown in all of our past conversations, but just something to remember that, you know, God bestows all of these things onto us, but it is our, our role to, to receive them. Um, and to receive them graciously and, and to work with him constantly through our lives to grow in these graces and in these gifts. Um, and then, of course, uh, he, this bishop in the, uh, talks about the Eucharist, and that is the ultimate gift that Christ gave us, his own flesh and blood. And he gives that to us so that we can participate ever more fully in this um, he says divine sonship, but in this divine filiation that we're talking about. So that is one very obvious way <laughs> that we can receive and grow in this in this divine filiation, is to consistently go to Mass and receive the Eucharist, to receive Christ into our bodies. So just a lot going on in those um, couple of uh, parts of this blog article that I wanted to share with all of you because I think it really really sets a good stage and foundation for what we're really discussing in um, this topic of divine affiliation. So, all right. I think Kelly's coming to this stage. Hi, Kelly. (laughs) Um, I will give the mic over to you
1: if you have something to add. I was... um, Thinking about you know all these things that you're saying about baptism and growing you know as a process you know in our relationship and these things when I was uh, praying the luminous mysteries of the rosary today I was seeing them as kind of like the mysteries of the sacraments because it starts with baptism. And so we contemplate Jesus being baptized, and that as being a pathway that he wants us to follow, because that's, that's how we become his adopted sons and daughters. And then we move on to, you know, the wedding feast at Cana, which we see as his... Uh, his love for these this sacrament of marriage, but in a certain sense, you know, to kind of envelop all the other vocations, you know, that could kind of speak about that vocation um, as someone who is married to Christ and His Church. So, you know, that was that's another step in that vocation. Then we go on. Um, What's the next one? Like do we have the the Transfiguration. Um, I I was thinking that you know we could view the Transfiguration as that time when we are um, confirmed, because we become uh, transfigured in Christ at our confirmation. You know, we uh, we we get we're given a new name and this new look on life. Um, I know I skipped one in there because. Uh, the proclamation of the kingdom. I guess you know that is you know our uh, our, our call once we have been uh, confirmed, and the institution of the Eucharist, that being the the final mystery, and and how that's the the final thing that he instituted, and he also instituted the priesthood, but that was his way of leaving us with that way to continue to follow Him and come to Him because we need Him. You know, that image that you shared, maybe it shows small children, but because God is outside of time, we are still those little children coming to Him. We're we're still like those little children. And like you said, I like to think about that woman in the background of that picture as also being Mary. Uh, Because even if we are adults, she, like you said, she's the mother of us all. And continuing to show us the way back to him. So as long as we continue uh, to seek him and to go to the sacraments, you know, we will continue on that journey of that, you know, divine filiation, you know, growing, growing, growing. That liturgical year is that round calendar. But, you know, one year is around, but we think of that, we're continually going around like that spiral staircase. And each year that we live, and we live in that cycle of of the, the liturgical year, it's, we're, we're, we're climbing it higher and higher toward heaven. So I am Kelly, and I'm complete.
0: Thank you so much, Kelly. Wow, that's such a beautiful correlation that you made. Trees <laughs> are truly exactly that. Um. It's a walk through our identity in Christ, essentially. And I love that you called them like the mysteries of the sacraments, because that's really what they are. So thank you for sharing that and bringing that into this conversation, because um, today is Thursday, and on Thursdays we pray the Luminous Mysteries. So if anyone is praying their rosary today, um, you'll be able to really participate in praying through what we're talking about today. So thank you, Kelly, for bringing that into this conversation. And of course, the liturgical calendar as well. Um, I love that it's bringing us higher and higher and into heaven or closer to heaven Um, and it's it's all a cycle and and that's it's it's a beautiful thing because um, God calls us in in many ways through these um, parts of our lives whether it's the sacraments or the liturgical calendar or or whatever cycles or seasons that we're going through so thank you so much for sharing Paul you've joined the stage Uh, the mic is yours
2: uh, thanks. I'm not sure I have much to add, except uh, just an interesting point uh, for us that live during these times, is that um, the Luminous Mysteries um, are very important to meditate on, uh, whatever person... about, they're very important to meditate on, particularly because uh, those mysteries and uh, the life that is... Um, uh, the very views and the mysteries of themselves that the, the you know the, the meditations allow on are the ones that are most under attack this day and age uh, whether through baptism for example um, and, and what it means to be a member of the church uh, the wedding feast at Cana what constitutes marriage the transfiguration um, what what does it mean to be the spirit and body and how do you honor both um, the the uh, Proclamation of the kingdom, uh, the the possibility of being beholden to false, you know, um, false gospels, uh, and this is of course a meditation of the true one. Um, and finally, the um, the Eucharist and, and what it means uh, for us to participate worthily of the Eucharist. So I thought it would be just a uh, something to add to that particular discussion of the luminous. That's all I have for. now.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing, Paul. Um, that is beautiful. <laughs> um, I love your contribution to that. Um, I wrote all of that down because it's true. If we look at it, look at those mysteries, and we look at those um, particular sacraments, you're right. It's it's basically about the top five things in the church that are under attack <laughs> um, and how powerful and beautiful it is that we um, can understand that and know that and recognize it and pray through um this this restoration of of these the these things that are at their core just good and true and beautiful um and that you know we we love and and adore in in our church as as these people who are catholic and practicing and understanding and wanting um to be as close to Christ as we can be and that's these sacraments are how we do that yet the world or even within our own church sometimes attacks the, those very things and so thank you for bringing that into this too because um, it is so important that we um, understand how it relates not only to um, what we're talking about today but kind of the, the greater picture so thank you Paul. Um, Andres you have joined the stage. I will hand the mic over to you. Okay thank you Erin. and uh, yeah thanks for
3: having um and those who are already shared, I really like the point of uh, the, uh, the Luminous Discretions for today and tying that to find affiliation. Uh, and I apologize for any background noise, but I am on the way um, to a homeschool field trip right now with uh, my wife and kids. So uh, if you guys do hear anything in the background, my apologies. But I do also think that it's fitting that I am in the car with my family. Um, and I do admit that um, there was a time with our, our earliest two children where um, unfortunately, I didn't make it a priority to get them baptized. And over time, becoming more spiritually mature, I realized the importance of getting my children baptized as soon as possible. And in fact, our, our latest, our sixth, we almost got her baptized within a month's time, but it just didn't work out. But the, the reason for that is really like that, that great summary that you had shared, Aaron, where they, they were talking about really entering into that mystical body of Christ, becoming a member of, of the body of Christ and the importance of that, but it's not stopping there. And um, I, I did wanna share uh, from our, our Bishop Holmes, that our dear Bishop Holmes a homily that I heard him um, give, uh, it was a couple, of few years ago, but in it, he was talking about Christ on the cross and what, what was happening, the reality of what he did on the cross and when he was suffering and when he was agonizing, Dying, what, what he was doing, he was ransoming us, ransoming us to pay for the price of, of sin. And the reason why he did that was to restore us, to restore us back to God as true children of God, to therefore redeem us, to make us people who were fitting for God so one day we can be with him in heaven. But he didn't stop there, as we know, just like God shared. He became that by the source of life through the Eucharist and through the sacrament um to really help us on the journey and to prepare us for the journey and to you know, give us grace for that journey and i mean we see it everyone that's here we see it uh, playing out in our lives as we embark on becoming civic leaders in society, leaders for our families leaders for our church leaders in the workplace that that's a part of the mission and our cooperation with god's divine work of salvation and it's really beautiful this topic this divine affiliation because yeah, I, I know you had shared it before in um, a previous um, uh, clubhouse meeting, uh, Aaron, but this whole idea of us being a community and us uh, really helping each other through that journey through that being able to sanctify the world and helping to sanctify others. And, um, yeah, the divine affiliation is, I think, a great way of explaining that, how God wants us recognize the sonship and ship as you said um, and to know that we're all here participating uh, cooperatively with him but also participating to help others along the journey to bring others to their own the true life. Um, so, yes, yeah, all those things but thank you for the night Martin. have a good day.
0: Thank you so much, Andres. Um, that was so beautiful. And it's it's so true just how Christ so deeply plays a role in all of these, um, all of the sacraments, of course, but also um, as he's welcoming us into the church at our baptism. And, you know, for many of us, that's a day that we don't remember because we were infants, but how important and special that that introduction and invitation and welcoming into the church is and for us i mean that's the beginning of everything and when we enter into as you said andres this mystical body of christ um and then how he just continues to present himself through every other sacrament and every other part of the church that we encounter along our journey Um, i know that wasn't a great summary of what you said but i did take some notes and i just appreciate you um talking about that specific part of what we had what I had quoted from that article because yeah it's it's so beautiful and um it's something important that we need to hold on to and remember um I think increments are important but sometimes they fall to the wayside in our our busy lives um you know sometimes it's hard for people to prioritize mass or going to confession or you know all of these things and and how if we just only understood and knew like the true importance and beauty um that these things present to us in our journey of this daughtership and this sonship um I mean we would we would put them at the front forefront of everything so thank you Andres for bringing us back to that um and sharing that, that just importance um, and and priority that these things um, must have in our lives. Belinda, you've joined the stage. Um, Please take it away.
4: Hi, Erin. Hi, everybody. I was thinking of all the beautiful things that um, have been said and one thing that hit me when you were talking about baptism at the very beginning is how St. Louis de Montfort calls us to renew our baptismal promises every day. (coughs) It kind of keeps in the forefront um, that we are sons and daughters and we what we owe him, you know, uh, as being his children. And um, so just wanted to share that <clears throat> if people in the room have not made the consecration to Jesus through Mary that St. Louis de Montfort talks about, I would just highly encourage you to do so. I just finished uh, august the 15th the feast of our lady of the assumption anyway the feast of our lady's assumption i finished uh 26 years now of re-consecrating me and my children <laughs> and it just feels so wonderful you know and i know that i'm going to do it again next year and that kind of goes in with what you're talking about with the liturgical calendar the daily rosary um it's that rhythm of life that we have in the church where we're going to daily, hopefully as much as we can. I, I go to daily masses as, as uh, almost every day. And, um, I feel differently when I can't make it. That's how important it is to me in surviving the things that I've had to survive in my life. And, um, so it's just that feeling of having that rhythm. And I loved what someone said about, um, growing as a process, um, it kind of goes with that rhythm that we're talking about, um, that we're baptized, we know who we are, and then we kind of go through our life in that rhythm, walking hand in hand with God, knowing, as St. Teresa said, that His holy face is always looking down on us, and and as St. Teresa says, He's always right there. The King is in the castle, and like we just hit our rhythm, and we go, and it may me really think that I wanted to I guess it inspired me when someone said about predisposing ourselves I think it was you Aaron but whether it's going to mass going to receive the Eucharist going to do my work or trying to listen to somebody when I really don't feel like it I, I'm, not, I'm tired I don't have anything left that, that predisposing myself to to doing what he wants me to do and to if I don't have the grace I remember a couple of days ago, asking them, I just, I don't have anything left, Lord, you got to give me some more, I, I, I don't have anything left, come on, and just kind of going back to um, asking for what I need, recognizing, someone said rec- recognizing these graces gracefully, you know, that I'm thinking about that word gracefully, and that word process today, because I tend to rush too much. I tend to allow myself to become anxious because I've got this, 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 and this to do. And instead of taking one thing at a time and hitting that rhythm, preparing myself or, what what did we say, predisposing myself before I begin the next thing, I just tend to rush into the next thing and then before I know it, I'm anxious uh, because I'm in a race instead of in a rhythm. So I'm really going to be trying to participate in His grace by recognizing it and gracefully, predisposedly, you know, rhythmically participating instead of frantically thinking I've got to get all this stuff done, whether it's my work work or my family work or just my work with other people, being a um, ministry of presence, you know, just being there for people. I just, this has helped me to kind of rethink the way I live out those baptismal promises can be better with God, with my sweet Jesus, if I'm just steadily, gracefully, rhythmically. You can hear it in my voice; it's so much different. you know, just <laughs> I just have to keep praying, Lord. No, I'm more of a more of an anxious person than a calm person. So just help me to keep. I'm just going to keep praying for calmness and gracefulness and seeing life as a rhythm and a process instead of some, the next thing I've got to do. So anyway, thank you for letting me share. That's what I've got.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Belinda, um, for sharing everything. I, I love that you talked about the consecration to Jesus through Mary. Um, I don't know if it's by St. Louis Louis, I don't know how to pronounce it, DeMontfort, or... Um, I've heard so many people talk about this, so if there is... I don't know if it's, like, a book or, like, a pamphlet or a thing online, but if you could share that um, in our Telegram group, that would be so helpful because I've heard this talked about way too many times to, like, not do it anymore, so...
4: Erin, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it is... Um, it was originally done... St. Louis, in his book, The True Devotion to Mary, it's called okay. True Devotion to Mary, I'll put it in the thing, but it was him that did it, and, um, and he actually wrote out the 33 days of preparation to do it, and then Father Michael Gately kind of did it in an updated way that was sometimes easier, he felt, for people to use, so a lot of people have been doing that one, and uh, my, my children who were tired of St. Louis de Montfort's 33-day pre- preparation, they're kind of like, oh, this is nice because it's a change. But I will put uh, the True Devotion to Mary in the the thing, the telegram group for everybody. But it was St. Louis de Montfort who really conceived of this. And he used a lot of the other saints like, oh, my gosh, uh, just St. Aloysius, um, St on a venture I'm trying to think of who else but he quoted lots and lots of saints who were talking about Mary and I was coming in uh, older maybe I can't even remember now anyway I was coming in without a true devotion to Mary and there were times and I was reading the book when I said well mother if this is really true about you 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 need to pray for me because this sounds like we're almost worshiping you you know I just was I had to pray to given the grace to understand what St. Louis was saying, because it it sounded, you know, it sounded way out there to me. Now I know that it's not at all way out there. I just didn't know all the stuff the church teaches about mother. And I was Protestantized from people, you know, going to other colleges. Uh, Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I don't want to go on and on, but it really is a beautiful book, True Devotion to Mary, and it does prepare you and they even the De Montfort Fathers even have a whole consecration book where you just take that book and you go through the book and they've got everything in the book. So I'll see if I can find my copy and put that in there too. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, I I
0: Kind of, that was kind of my guess I feel like there's a lot of different iterations of it but St. Louis de Montfort was like the originator of this so um thank you for sharing that and yeah we look forward to seeing um that in the telegram group for our uh, those of you who are interested um including myself <laughs> to pursue um doing that consecration to Jesus through Mary I've done the 33 days uh to what I can't remember—the one that you said that Father Michael Gately did—I've done that one, but I didn't know that they were similar. So, anyways, thank you, Belinda, for sharing that and bringing that into this conversation because, um, you know, you're you're absolutely right. That the more that we renew our baptism and understand who we are and whose we are, um, that just flows into everything that we do in our day-to-day lives. So. Um, the more that we can pray these prayers and do these consecrations and these devotions and, and really just draw ourselves into um, into Mary's life and Jesus' life and really understand um, how we as their, as their children relate to them. Um, it's so beautiful and powerful, and, and like you said, Belinda, you, you notice a difference on the days you don't go to Mass or don't do these things, and um, I think there's there's a lot of truth and power in that. I mean, um, it, this, is, this is what we are called to do. We're called to relate to Christ in the way that He um, is to us and the way that He made it, which is our we are his adopted children, so um, if we can supplement that and, and, and use some of these prayers and consecrations and things to to help our human minds um, understand this, this beautiful union that we have with our Lord and with his mother, um, you know, we'll be definitely better for it. So thank you, Belinda, for sharing all of that and bringing that into this conversation. Um, so I wanted, well, I'll reset the room real quick. We haven't really done that the past few times, but I feel like we have some people coming in and out. So if you've just joined us um, at some point before, since we started, <laughs> um, we're talking today about divine filiation, um, essentially in Christ that uh, we are children of God through our baptism and how that relates to us. As Catholic leaders, which we're going to get to a little bit more (laughs) in the next few minutes, but we've talked so much about um, so many beautiful things that we can um, use to help us, like I just said, understand um, who we are as as Christ's sons and daughters. We've talked about um, the, the luminous mysteries, so praying the rosary, the liturgical calendar, all of the sacraments that the Luminous Mysteries talk about and, and how um, important and how much of a priority they should be in our lives, um, yet they're the very things that are under attack um, in our world today. So it um, makes them even more important for us to cling on to as Catholics. Um, we talked about the um, entering into the mystical body of Christ through our baptism. Um Because that is when our divine affiliation begins. So there's so many things that we, um, I mean, this conversation, as with all of our conversations, could probably go on for so much longer than this room allows. But that's a little bit of what we're discussing today. And um, we have about 20 minutes left. And I usually start, well, we usually start wrapping it up, but somewhere between, you know, seven-ish five to seven minutes before the top of the hour. So I'd like to keep moving us along. Um, so the one of the things that I wanted to just bring our focus to a little bit more is How specifically this relates to our Catholic leadership, Um, that is what this room is focused on. And, of course, everything that we've talked about today has everything to do with our Catholic leadership. I'm not saying, oh, no, we haven't talked about that yet. We certainly have. But I just kind of want to tie everything together. And um, bring it um, a little bit more into some practicals because Christopher and I love uh, practicals and making these things a little bit um, more applicable to uh, our daily lives and, and our work lives and, and how we can really live this out. So, in our Catholic leadership. So, um, I'll mention a few things and then I would love to hear all of your thoughts, perhaps examples from your own lives of how you um, live this divine affiliation out in your own um, professional life. But um, one of the things that I was thinking about uh, preparing for this room is that um, as leaders, we we can draw our strength directly from um, being children of God. You know, we've... We've gone through a lot of things today, as I just mentioned, but, you know, the one thing that stands out the most is that, you know, we just have so much available to us. Not, of course, from, from God's love and his graces, most importantly, but all of the things that he's given us to continue this um, nurturing of our relationship with him. And we draw our strength from that in everything that we do, particularly as leaders in civil society, because truth be told, I mean, that's where, at least nowadays, right now, you know, we need it the most. Um, And which, you know, Paul alluded to in some of the things that he was sharing, but so much about our our faith and our church is under attack. And that's not to say that, you know, that's what we should focus on, but certainly, uh, you know, in these times, we're, we're called to take a stand and, and speak up about um, some of the wrongdoings that are happening in our society and culture. And if we don't have a true, strong, identified foundation of ourselves as Christ's children, then we really can't. We're, we're, our strength and, and our, um, our words and, and the things that we do and say and share. Um, As leaders, where are those coming from, if not from that relationship with our Lord? So we really do need to draw our strength from this relationship and our understanding of it. So that's one thing. Um, And then I kind of mentioned this phrase before, but I want to repeat it. Um, Our divine filiation reminds us not only who we are, but whose we are. So there's a, I think there's a difference between someone who um, lives their life knowing that the things that they do directly affect their relationship with Christ. And then there are, there's a difference, like I said, between that person and then someone who um, doesn't really value their relationship with Christ. And, and the, that difference shows. Um, and I think that it's so important that... We take this into everything that we do. Um, so as we understand our our own um, relationship with Christ, we need to understand that we belong to him. And he is our guide through everything. Um, but more than a guide, I mean, obviously, He <laughs> God is our father. And, and we are to relate to him as that. Um, So we are to remember the image of the week, you know, Jesus's arms are wide open. We're, we're, we're invited to be with him all the time. And he wants us to be with him all the time. It doesn't matter what we're doing. You know, we're all professionals. We all have, you know, daily mundane tasks that we have to do just as part of our jobs, whether that's making phone calls or sending emails or um, you know, doing certain tasks for our company that may not be like feeling like we're changing the world, but even in those small mundane moments, we can still be doing those for God's glory. So that's another part of this. And our, this divine affiliation gives meaning to the work that we do. I mean, it really, it, like I was, I'm kind of repeating myself now, but it truly does um, remind us, you know, why we're doing the things we're doing. And like I said, it, we don't have to be out there changing the world every day in our jobs. If you are, great. <laughs> but if if your job is more simple or something that, um, you know, is necessary, but not something that people are like, oh, wow, that's an amazing kind of rule that you have, like, it doesn't matter. Anything that um, the Lord has called us to is meaningful. And it's just up to us to receive that. So to receive that gift that he's given us of, of some sort of meaning in this job or this role that we've been called to. Um, and to glorify him in that. So those are just a few things. I would love to hear if anyone else has any thoughts about that. Um, basically the question or kind of the topic at hand is is how does divine affiliation relate to our Catholic leadership or how can we live this out um, in our roles as Catholic leaders? And then um, yeah, if anyone wants to come up and share, please do. Um, one thing I wanted to mention is um, what are another part of this question I guess is what are some things that you already do that help you to live this divine filiation. Um, So I'll give an example um, while we wait for someone to share if anyone wants to. But um, one of the things that I did when I first started working at St. Vincent de Paul is I put up this prayer in my cubicle. And I got this prayer from when I was in Bible study in college. (laughs) And I ended up making copies of it um, and gave it to the girls who, um, who were in the Bible study that I ended up leading as well. And it's very simple, but it's just this short prayer, and it's, it's literally called My Identity as a Daughter of God. And then in parentheses under that title, it says, Pray this daily until you believe it deep within your heart. And here's the prayer. I'm just going to read it to you because it's very short and it's simple. I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a princess in my father's house. I am made in the image and likeness of God. Jesus is my beloved, and I am his. I am beautiful and precious in his eyes. He has given me dignity, value, and worth. I will place my hope in him and the power of his resurrection. I am greatly loved and greatly blessed. The Holy Spirit has chosen to dwell within my heart. The Spirit of God lives in me. I have a blessed mother who loves me with a mother's heart. I will walk in this truth. I claim this identity as my own. I claim this identity as my own. I claim this identity as my own, today, tomorrow, and the rest of my life. Amen. So very short, very simple, but literally just speaking so much truth through this prayer. Um, and I think this like is a perfect kind of combination of the things that we're discussing today. Is, um, you know, I have this in my cubicle. I do need to pray it much more often than I do, but it's right in front of my face every day. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier. It reminds me who I am and whose I am and that everything that I do, um, or this flows through everything that I do. Um, I'll share that prayer in our telegram group. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have the, the, version of this but if i can track one down i will definitely share it or if perhaps men one of if one of you already have a prayer about um your identity as a son i know this was a very specific prayer for um women um please do share that in our group because it would be so awesome for the men to have an example of that as well but just something simple you know that we that i um have and pray through um and it, that it's, in my, it's in my face every day at work. So um, that's just one example of what um, I do for this. So we are quickly coming upon the end of our hour together.
2: um...
3: Remember why we're here, remember why we have these conversations, because we feel that it is urgently needed in the world today that Catholics, lay Catholics, step up into that leadership role that the church, Mother Church, has called us to take on in civil society. And this is why we ask you every week to just look at the way things are and consider what we can do about them. Why? Because if not now, when? and ignore not us, who. Have a wonderful day and a blessed week. Take care. Thank you, everyone. God bless.